Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post, and I'm happy to be joined today by my very busy friend, Dan Wojcicki, the excellent Clippers beat writer for the Orange County Register, who has had a eventful few days, right, Dan? This is par for the course in covering the Clippers, Tim. I mean, really, it, it is. This is this is the team that is, um, or the franchise, or the beat. I should say, this is the beat that has taken me into the Los Angeles city court system to hear Donald Sterling testify. This is the team that has kept me glued to a computer while they trade for a head coach. This is the the team of emojis. This is you know the team of fourth quarter playoff collapses in Houston and Oklahoma City um, and crazy comebacks and and Memphis and um, you know a huge win over Santa. This team is, is is chaos, Tim. It is chaos. Well, I've said before, you. I mean, I the team I used to cover the Brooklyn Nets and the team you currently cover, the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, really, since we both we both came in to cover the league around the same time, and yes, and we have just had nonstop insanity really ever since. Like you know, they it, might they might yeah. not be the premier teams in their markets, but they've certainly been the premier teams in terms of just nonsense Team happening content. on all sides, yes. right? And here's the crazy thing, Tim. Honestly, all right. So like, like even though like you caught the Nets like during a wild stretch, right? Obviously, that wasn't the best like Nets basketball of all time, right? Their best period was with Jason Kidd back in the early 2000s. Yeah, absolutely, right? Yeah, or you know, like they had Dr. J. You know what I mean? Like, right. If you want to go back to the like, NBA, sure, right? But they, that's definitely yeah. not right. The last few years haven't been the the high point basketball wise. This this is like the mountaintop of Clipper basketball right now, and, and not and, even and close. The, that, not yeah, even close. And that's the wild part about all of this. And I um. For fun, last night I went to Lakers Bulls um, with my girlfriend, and uh, she's from Chicago, so um, she wanted to see the Bulls. And Dan, and you're also from Chicago. Just our friend, I am, but from, I mean, I'm not saying you're a Bulls like, fan. I'm not saying you're a Bulls fan. I'm gonna, but... see, I'm gonna see the Bulls on Sunday when they play the Clippers. Right. Like I don't need to go. I'm not right. scouting them. Right. You know, I didn't want. I didn't want to get a good look at Derrick Rose. No, I just, like I was just giving the so. people some context. That's all. <laughs> so. Um, don't tell them where I'm from. I like a little, I like a little mystery. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause that's the, a big uh, secret. If people follow you, they have no idea you're from Chicago. Yeah. I was going to say, so after the game, you know, I was, uh, uh, a few NBA writers were across the street at the Marriott bar as they tended to, to be. We've been there once or twice. And, and that was a, like a conversation that like, really, it's hard to think of another team that has had, the Clippers level of success at the same time as like this, like unbelievable drama. And now that that's not to say that teams don't have drama because teams do, but like, we're talking like major crossover drama. Like yeah, this isn't like the Miami heat, right? Like the Miami heat were a, were, no. a, were a nexus of drama on all sides, but it was, it was all basically rooted in the fact that they chose to go there and things that were happening around what was happening on the court. There weren't sure. crazy off-court scandals and just wild things happening all over the place. That really had nothing. Like, a lot of the things we have had to deal with, and you specifically lately, don't have off-court. anything to do with that the actual basketball at all or the team even, really. They're just, they're just they're yeah. members of the team embroiled in things, and then it carries over to what happens on the court later. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a, it's a bizarre... It's a bizarre situation, and to give people the 22nd Cliff Notes version in case they somehow don't know, 
Uh, Blake Griffin got in a fight with his close friend, who's the equipment manager for the the Clippers. Assistant Assistant equipment equipment manager, manager, right. No, but that's that's a good point. Um, But they're close friends. They got in a fight in Toronto. Uh, Blake punched him, broke his hand. Is that was already out with an injury? Out was now is out for another month or two. Um, so we don't need to rehash what happened with that at this point. I think most people know what happened, and 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 if they aren't sure on the details, go to Dan's Twitter feed. Uh, Dan Wojcicki, Dan Wojcicki Sports, right? Still Dan Wojcicki Sports, right? I haven't Dan, dropped this right. Yet. So Dan Wojcicki Sports, and and go check out his coverage at the Orange County Register. It's great. Uh, that, that'll fill you in on everything. I I don't want to spend time rehashing that. The, to me, the more interesting thing is what you just touched on, right? Like, this has been a tremendous run of success for the Clippers the last few years. Ever since they traded for Chris Paul, you know, they have this team with yeah. Blake and Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan. And the last time you were on the podcast a few weeks ago, we, we kind of touched on this. But, but now I think it's kind of more important than ever. You know, in a lot of seasons, this Clippers team would be one of the two or three best teams in the NBA. And they'd have a legitimate chance to win a championship. This season, mm-hmm. they're the fourth best team in the West. They're almost definitely the fourth best team in the West um, in terms of record at the end of the year now that Blake is out for two months or a month and a half. It seems it seems catching the Thunder would be, that would um, be tough. pretty unlikely, and, um, unless there's some other injury. Right, or but, like but assuming everybody else generally stays where they're at, they're going to finish fourth. They're going to play the Warriors in the second round. They're almost definitely going to lose. So, and if that's it, that's if they get out of the first round, which I think they will, but I wouldn't say is a guarantee. So, looking at everything that's happened, looking at the situation with Blake, the fact that he's going to be a free agent in a year, the fact that Chris Paul has got a knee issue and is getting older, and I think he can be a free agent in a year. Um, as you look at the Clippers now, as a great in terms of success and changing the dynamic around the franchise and getting Steve Ballmer in as an owner and getting rid of Sterling, everything that's happened that's been a positive. Does this week kind of feel like the beginning of the end of this group for you? Um, I don't know. That's a really good question. I think, I, th- I think the thing we don't know, one of the things we don't know is we don't know what kind of owner Steve Ballmer is in the face of this type of, of a thing. You know what I mean? Well, we is don't really know what kind something? of owner Steve Ballmer is at all, right? I mean, he's kind of just come yeah. in and not really... Well, I mean, I, think I don't so, mean in I mean, a bad way, so but... No, I don't mean in a bad way, but he bought the team and they haven't really had the ability to do anything. You know, they kept Dion, they kind of have kept everybody, but they haven't, yes. they haven't really had the ability to... Um, you know, they haven't really sought making a major move, I don't think. They haven't really had the flexibility to sure. sign a big free agent. He, he's just kind of minded the ship so far. Well, I mean, I think, you know, he empowered Doc Rivers um, was one of the things, like the very first things he did. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, he, he kind of took a step to the background. I do think, though, I mean, this is an organization that's at like a really interesting crossroads for a lot of reasons. I mean, I, I, I won't stay on this too long, but this is, a, this is a team that, by the way, next year has no TV and no radio deal currently either. No, we should talk. And, I want to talk about that, too. I, 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 the whole Clipper and, and, situation and, and like, is fascinating. And, and and that's something where like, you know, how does this hurt their value on, on something like this? Like maybe a little bit. It, it, it's they're they're a unique team in the sense that it feels like, and it always it, it really always has that they're a team that is like bigger outside of their market than they are inside of it. Um, you know, because of 
I think that's undoubtedly you, true. I think people around the I think the, yeah. I think the Clippers like for people here in New York where I am, I would say the Clippers are probably one of the five or six most recognizable mm-hmm. teams in the league. Um, mm-hmm. In L in L A, they are a fraction of the importance of the Lakers. Even this year, as the Lakers, you know, yes, they yeah. have Kobe, and but they be, roll and, and along. And it, it and should be noted though, offense. Tim, that it's like they still. I mean, they have their they have their their market. I mean, like you know, they sell out every game. Um, you know, there's no problem with that stuff. But it, but there is. Uh, look, they're not the Lakers, and they're never they'll never be the Lakers. They're not the Dodgers. They'll right. never be the Dodgers. Right. And those aren't their goals, but I do think it's like, it's an interesting thing. So if we talk about, you know, what trying to figure out some of the things that Steve Ballmer is thinking, you know, I would, one of the things that I would imagine in addition to, you know, this is a guy that I put a lot of investment and, and trust into and Blake Griffin, you know, he's the face of the franchise. Part of the reason you pay $2 billion for the Clippers, um, at least in the short term is you like that. You've got a super marketable 26 year old um, in front of the team. I, I don't know if he if he's going to be super reactionary to this, and you know uh, I, I think I'm pretty confident in the fact that Blake Griffin will be on the Clippers this season. Um, throughout the season, I don't think they will make a trade in the year. It doesn't seem like that. Things are pointed in that direction, though. Again, we don't know exactly how Steve Ballmer is going to react to when the investigation is completely finished. Um, the to me, a, a much more likely scenario still seems like they try to iron this out and, and you run it back. And I know that's crazy. And um, I think the defense for, for, for what they do for the reason why they do that is that again, is being like, this is an organization that's never been very good for sustained periods of time. And I do think that's important from a historical, like, like Tim, they have no jerseys retired. No, it's they, they, they had, they made the playoffs once they made the playoffs in 2006, I think it was, and I think that's the only time they made it in a 20-year stretch before and this so, last run. Making some big, risky trade, and and this is how I felt even before before the punching incident when people were talking to me about like Chris Paul, Kyrie Irving. You know what I mean? Right. Making I want to get into big, that too because you wrote a good piece about that the other day. Making making some big giant move like this, like the Clippers should be. I, I would imagine. That the Clippers will be a little more risk adverse, just based on their history. Like you've got to realize that how good you have it now. Now, if we're talking about, they're in a very unique situation because they are a very good team that that it seems unlikely that they will win a title. Um, so how do you kind of go about fixing that? Do you do you make that like drastic move, okay, and 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 put a lot of things into flux? Or do you continue to try to, to improve on the fringes and maybe you get lucky? Like, for instance, one move that the, that the Clippers made, one area of tremendous luck that they've had this season, at least so far, is that they were able to get Luka Babute for the minimum. Like, like that has been, that move has completely worked out. He's um, been a terrific defender. If you don't believe me, watch him guard Paul Millsap. Um, no, he can defend know, when, when they play in Atlanta. Sure, it, it was it was honestly it was something that that group has needed. Right, and since he's moved in the starting lineup, they've been one of the best defensive teams in the league, and that is like that's not a coincidence. He has been he, he's helped them a lot there. But the problem, Mute, 
a championship type answer? I, I don't think so. Well, and that's the problem, Dan. That's what I was going to say. Like, has he been a good fit for them in the starting lineup in the regular season? Absolutely. Is he exactly the, the perfect fit? A guy who doesn't need the ball and just goes out and plays defense in the regular season? Absolutely. But if they're playing one of those top four teams in the West or they're playing the Cavs, like one of the five elite teams in the playoffs, you can't have a guy like Luka Bamute on the floor. Like, that's just become the way the league has gone. That's just the way yeah. things have gone. And that, and, and that's, you can look at how, and you can look at how teams have attacked Memphis and Tony Allen. Right. Exactly. For and Tony Allen's a, and Tony yeah. Allen's a, a, you know, a, a super version of Luka Bamute. But, um, but, but that, and I, I guess I didn't quite frame the question right. I didn't mean it is, is this like, is this week mean that the Clippers are going to trade Blake Griffin, but, you know, mm-hmm. you had before the season Doc Rivers say to Zach Lowe that, you know, if we don't get if we don't take a step forward this season, you know, we're going to have to change things. Um, you look at the fact that these guys are coming up on deals. You kind of look at the fact that they've kind not, you know, it's it's not fair to say they've stagnated because I don't think they have, but they just haven't been able to get for good, very, enough. good enough to get past the second round. And they're just kind of stuck there. And I, I just. You know, the other thing is, I mean, you mentioned how much power Doc Rivers has. I don't see him as a guy who's going to exactly engineer a rebuild. So, no. You know, if any, you know, if anything, you'd be trading one of these guys to change the the makeup of the roster to still try to win now. So, and I and I agree but with you. I think but I, don't, I think that gets harder, right? No, I agree. I think that's, I think that's almost harder to do because now your options are limited. You know, I, I think you asked. You, you, I mean, it's a it's a really good question, and it's, I mean. There are expiration dates on cores. I mean, there's no question there there is. And at a certain point, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, is the group we have good enough? And I think the the, the question that, you know, you're right. Doc Rivers does not seem interested in a rebuild. I don't think Steve Ballmer is interested in a rebuild. No. Look, the Clippers aren't going to try to rebuild. No. Um, they're absolutely not. No. And, it's, and if it's trading Chris Paul – you know, it's you've got two guys that are in their prime right now in Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. If it's trading Blake Griffin, you've got a guy, um, you know, right in his post-prime in Chris Paul and a guy in his prime in DeAndre Jordan. You're in win-now mode. So is it something where can you get – I mean, I think if you trade Blake Griffin, um, God, uh, it, it's – I mean, you're, you're, you're drastically altering this team to the sense where it's, you know, the things that you've been questing for um, – Things like continuity, um, being able to play together. I mean, that like that's like the Spursian elements that like you tried to emulate offensively and stuff like that. That that changes like significantly with with, with, with incorporating. I would imagine if you're going to trade Blake Griffin. You need at least two starters back, um, at least, and and not 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 minimal ones either. I mean, this is a top ten player who's young well let's discuss let's discuss this right so it's kind of become it's kind of become a popular thing this week to say that blake griffin isn't that good and oh you know what well you know what i mean when i say not that good i don't mean he's you know like he's not his his over he's an overrated player Uh, i i should probably use the right language i I think that i think it's fair that that's become let's start start with here do you believe that I don't believe it, no, but I, 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 what I wanted to get to was the reason people are saying that, I'm doing the math right now, which is why I, I keep stumbling on my words. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Clippers are, what, 12-3 and three since Blake went out? And I want to uh, say, they are. and last year they had a similar run of success when Blake Nine went. and six, I believe. Okay, I thought they were right. even better than that. But, that, that, like, last year people thought, oh, no, the Clippers could fall apart, and they they 
They had a re- yeah, they, they had a really tough stretch of schedule, if I remember correctly. And I think they went on and six. I'll look it up. Yeah, they, but regardless, they, they've they done better than expected twice without Blake Griffin, last year and this year. And mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask you, you know, as somebody who is watching that team closer than anybody and has a great pulse on things, why has that been the case? Because you look at what Blake does. He's got unbelievable numbers this year. I think he's averaging 23, he's averaging 23, 8, and 5. Five assists a game. Yes. Been a been a monster for them. Um why why do you think that they have been able to play better than expected without him the last two years? Um, I think that this is a team, weirdly enough, that has that has handled these situations really well in general. Um, you know, that this they've you know, two years ago Chris Hall separates his shoulder and the team somehow manages to play better with, you know, Darren Collison playing point guard. And and what it comes to, and I think this is a, a giant indictment uh, on this team, too. This is not, and, and we've talked about this before, I think based, because of how they've lost, okay? And the, the, so... I how they've lost in the, the playoffs. Last, how they've lost in the playoffs, yeah. just to be so, clear. So, so the, last, the last three playoff exits, I think the Clippers can look themselves in the mirror and said, and, 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 and had an honest argument to say, we were the better team, we blew this. Um, that when they when they were eliminated um, against Memphis, you know Blake Griffin can't walk the last two games. They were all toss up. They were all the Memphis yeah. series, ran, the Oklahoma series, and the the, the Rocket series. Were all think, series they yeah, should have I, won. I, well, they all should have either won them or they were straight toss ups that could have gone either way, if not for a couple of plays here and there. I well, think that's fair. Well, to say. I mean, yeah. Well, but the couple of plays were pretty are pretty self inflicted though, too. I mean, like you know, you, you, people forget the game five, like because the game six collapse against Houston is so monumental. People forget that the game five collapse was even more like like the game the game five in collapse City. in Oklahoma City where they where they completely melted down in the last minute and Chris Paul made a couple bizarre mistakes and they just exactly and, and then that was a game. If, if they win that game, they are, I believe, up 3-2 to going back to L.A. And, and great position. You know what I mean? I, with uh, Having won already in Oklahoma City twice. I think, and, and and that's certainly, so after that year, they feel like, man, we really let that one get away from us. You know, and then you get into the regular season, you look at your calendar, and you say, it is 82 games until we get to try this again. And I think that this team has not handled their regular season well. And that kind of the patience and the sense of urgency that you need to have it like kind of combined, which I know seems weird, but you need to be patient for what you want. You still need to find a way to attack the regular season. Look, Golden State Warriors, they attack the regular season. San Antonio this year has attacked the regular season. And the Clippers haven't done that. And But when, when a guy has gone down, like all of the, I think the sense of urgency picks up. I think their execution gets better. And I think they just kind of tighten up everything. And, and it's almost like, I mean, to say that they try harder is a is an, a way oversimplification. No, but it's but it's a good happens. but it's but a good the point. Games feel more important for the sure. Games feel more important to them, and they know they have to play better to win. They can't just out talent people. And I I think that, that is it has definitely been a, a stretch that I've seen at least in terms of like execution, where they've gotten much better. No, and at, and and you would think kind of sorry, I didn't catch no, and you would, no, and, and it, it makes total sense that a team would focus in more when their one of their top players is down. 
And if a team is kind yeah. of floating along and kind of coasting, which I totally agree, this Clipper team is very prone to um, kind of you know floating along and not really doing what they what they should do. Um, you know, to have a guy like Blake go out, I could it's it makes all the sense in the world that guys like DeAndre and Chris and and these guys would just kind of go, oh, we gotta pick it up because you know now you know we we're gonna yeah. have to do more to win. But that being said, let let's examine this Blake thing a little closer. Um, real quick, real quick before we go, sure. Nine and six, nine and six last year without him. Um, he comes back, and they only lose two more games um, for a month. Right? No, they so, right. It 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 they definitely kicked up from there. But i i want to I want to hone in on these on these on the things people say about Blake's game because I, I haven't really talked to you about this stuff specifically in a while, and I, I want to get your input mm-hmm. on it. So uh, the way the game has gone, especially at the power forward spot, people are looking for two things from power forwards now, right? Or, or even three. The ability to handle the ball and make plays. Blake is terrific at that. Um, mm-hmm. the, the ability to shoot threes, which mm-hmm. Blake, I mean, you have been telling me for the, all the time I've known you that Blake is going to start direction. shooting threes, but he also he, and it yeah. is he's shooting better. He also barely shoots them still. Mm-hmm. So it, yes. he, you, unless he starts taking them, even though he, you know he's shooting thirty five percent this year, he's also six for seventeen. And last year he shot forty yeah. percent, but he was ten for twenty five. So it, yeah. it doesn't really count if he's not taking one a game or two. I a game. would agree. So I would one hundred percent agree. So so that is out. And the other thing is. You need to be either an elite defender or or, or a, a strong presence at the rim. And Blake has moments defensively where he's pretty good, but isn't locked in all the time and isn't a great rim protector. So, correct when you when you look at him in a vacuum, you say, "All right, well, if you're looking for an elite power forward to do these three things, Blake does one of them really well and doesn't really do the other two. Though maybe he has the potential to." So now, just before you jump in, so. To the people who mm-hmm. say that, you know, you you look at Blake and he doesn't do these things, and it's hard to justify him having a max contract and him being, you know, him being a franchise wait, guy. Who, like, wait, who says it's hard to justify listen, Blake I, having I, a right, max hold on. contract? Though. I shouldn't say it that way. How I should? There have been, you know, Tim Kawakami wrote a thing today, for example. Tim's excellent. He wrote this. He wrote a, a long thing saying, you know, I don't think Blake is is as good as people think because he can't do these things. And I don't think he's a anywhere near a top 10 player in the league. And I don't know if he's a franchise player. So I, the max contract thing, it, it gets down a weird hole, because that's not really what I meant. But, like, yeah. the the argument is, is Blake Griffin capable of being a franchise player if he, in a, like, on a championship-level team, if he can't do these sure. things? So with that, you know, what is your rebuttal to that? Because I'm pretty sure that you feel like he's a guy that can be a franchise guy for a team. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a guy who's gotten better every year he has been in the NBA. He's 26 years old. Um, he he not only does one of those things exceptionally well, he might be second best at it in the league, if not best at it. You know, I would say him and Draymond are, are the two best, like, put the ball in their hands, let them dribble and make a play type guys. And I will say as an aside, uh, Ethan and Zach Lowe, Ethan Strauss and Zach Lowe and I had a mini conversation about this on Twitter, I think yesterday, and I, I agree with what those guys said, or what Zach said specifically, which is that if Blake was in a system like the one Golden State was in, he could do what Draymond is doing for sure with the ball. Um, 
Blake is oh, a terrific no passer and a terrific ball handler. Draymond might be a little and he's a better. Will, and he's a will, and he, yeah. But, but they're will, both and, awesome. Well, like Draymond, but they're both awesome, at. Here's the thing people don't understand about Draymond. Let me, let me do a, a real quick aside. Here goes if the Michigan State Twitter, guy, You might also way. know I went to Michigan State. <laughs> I was going to say, I teed you up. Draymond played point guard at Michigan State. Yes, he, he did. Really did. Yes, he did. And, and that was like because of injuries and stuff like that to guys, he was asked to handle the ball there in a way that most, most big men in college are never asked to handle the ball. And right, it was the best thing that ever like happened he, to him. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And I, and I think, so those are, you know, those are to me are, are those two guys. Defensively, he's not an all-defensive team player. He isn't. He does, you're right, he does some things that kind of... Um, well, that's that a focus. A isn't that kind of a focus thing? It feels like it. It feels to me like when I watch them play, when he's locked in, he can be really good. But he's just not locked in very often. Is that fair? Um, you know, I think. Uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's not I like think he's really a hard. Kevin. It's not like he's a Kevin. A Kevin Love situation no. where where he doesn't he, have the athleticism to stay with guys. You know, Blake obviously is playing. And he's a better and he's a better defender than Kevin Love. Right. I feel pretty confident. No, I agree with that. that too. Like, I mean, you will see him get switched out on like Paul George and stuff like that on the perimeter. And he can stay in front of Paul George reasonably well for someone his size. Like, like that's not – there aren't a lot of guys who can do that. The problem is, you're right, it's not a full-time commitment to defense. I mean, largely because the team asked him to be full-time committed to offense, and they've got a guy in, that he plays next to in DeAndre Jordan that alleviates some of the need of Blake to be um, the kind of defender that, you know, I'm not, I'm like to, to be like a top-tier defender. Now, they would obviously be better if he was. If, if there was a way for him to do both of those things, I think that would be great. He's gotten better defensively, um, still not to the point, I think, where you, you feel like super good labeling him. I want to attack the stretch portion of this, though. because And this like, is something for, for, for people outside of our conversation. Dan and I have I've honestly been talking about this ever since I've met Dan about how Blake yeah. is going to eventually become a, a – a consistent three-point threat. This has been a four well, or five-year conversation now. I want to say this. I don't mean that as a slight imagine, either. It's just been a long conversation. No, uh, imagine, uh, like, like remove the arbitrary, like remove the three-point line from your imagination, okay, if possible, right? And have everybody still standing on the floor in the same places that they are. The difference between where Blake Griffin stands and where Draymond Green stands, it's not large. It is not a large, it's not a large difference. You know, it is, it is, it is a, you know, it's a few feet. But what do you argue, well, that, Dan? Well, that, well, what I'm going to say is that Blake at this point, like does provide a fair amount of stretch. I mean, he stretches like LaMarcus Aldridge stretches. Yeah. The problem, I think but, the problem is though, and I think it's the same thing that happened with the Blazers, right? Like teams are happy to let guys shoot those shots. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. so, and he makes him and, at a no, good percentage. Blake is a good shooter from there. I'm not. He's definitely a good. He's become a very good mid range shooter. But I, I think there's this there's this notion, Tim. Let me, let me interrupt. You. No, sure, there's go ahead. Notion, go ahead. Tim, that, that the Clippers are that the Clippers are a bad offensive team with Blake Griffin, and it's silly. And it's and, and they've been well, one of the yes. best offenses in the NBA. Um, I think I saw. And look, I'm not lumping you or, or Tim in with this. No, I know. I saw. I think there was a, a Skip Bayless tweet last night. That said something about saw the Clippers had a good win in Atlanta, um, you know, played with much better rhythm and flow. Blake Griffin is a ball stopper. Okay, what's the tweet? <laughs> Tim, they right. scored they scored eighty five points in that game <laughs> in a game that had no rhythm and no flow. Okay, <laughs> and the reason why Blake Griffin is a ball stopper is because he's really really good, and you want him to have the ball 
he's a ball stopper in the same way, you know, like Steph Curry can be a ball stopper because you want Steph Curry to have the ball. Chris Paul can be a ball stopper because you want the ball. Like the point is to get the ball in those guys' hands in advantageous positions. That's the whole point of offense. Right. The Spurs have a couple ball stoppers now, Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge. You know why? Because they're pretty damn good at basketball. So it's not the end of the world if that happens. Yes. And and so look, I feel like, I feel like at this point again, when we, and and this kind of goes to an overall thing and and it's totally warranted is we end up nitpicking the Clippers because they're a team that like deserves that kind of nitpicking. I mean, honestly, they, like you look at them and you say, well, why aren't they part of that Spurs Warriors tier? What's holding them back? Okay. And, you know, I think you start to look at things like, well, if Blake was a better defender, maybe they could be in that tier. If Blake was making threes, maybe they would be in that tier. If, you know, they had a better three and D wing, maybe they would be in that tier. If they had a better bench, they would maybe be in that tier. And the reality is, is like they have versions of all these things that have gotten them to the edge of that tier. And, you know, to get it, I think it's sort of like, you know, they always say from like, you're, you're not a golfer, are you? Uh, I've, I have played golf before. I have golfed. I don't even know if you play. I have golfed before, okay. but I wouldn't say I'm good. They say, like, they say like it's obviously, you know, it's like a lot easier to go from being a guy who shoots 100 to being a guy who shoots 90 than it is from going to be a guy who shoots 90 to being a guy who shoots 80. Right, right. You, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I think that's kind of the zone the Clippers are in right now, which is like, all right, well, if we like our core, and look, you can if you're Doc Rivers, if you're Steve Ballmer, you can talk yourself into fairly easily liking your core and saying things like, God, we were so close. Like, we're right there. Like, you know what I mean? We're yep. a blink away from the conference finals. We just need things. Just need to go better. We just need to fix these little things, okay? And it, it it's it's not as easy, I think, to pull the trigger on one of these major deals. Like people think it is. It, it's honestly they've they've spent a franchise history, a, a horrible history, trying to acquire these types of players. And unless you can find some sort of magical, um, you know, would the Thunder do Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook? like type of a trade where you're not really hurting your chances today at all. Um, I, I, I don't see doc can say that. I think that's, I think that's a very much easier said than done type of a thing. Totally. Agree. With their organization. Totally agree. And I want to, you mentioned that. So let, let's jump to something that's kind of been discussed in, in NBA circles for a while, um, which is, sure. which is the, the Chris Paul for Blake Griffin or Chris Paul for uh, Kyrie Irving trade. Uh, with the Cavs, yes. uh, it's something that's been talked about a lot over the last couple of years for a lot of reasons. Um, you wrote mm-hmm. a, a very ever since LeBron went back to Cleveland. Yes, ever since LeBron went to Cleveland. Right yeah. for a variety of reasons, that trade has been discussed ever since the moment LeBron signed there. And you wrote a very interesting uh, piece about it um, in in the wake of some stories written. Would this trade make sense? Or people floating it as well? Maybe this is something that would. I mean, maybe Cleveland would consider it. So, you know, I'd, I'd like you to kind of walk through, you know, what you wrote and, uh, and and what your thought process is on on the idea of that. Well, I mean, I think it's, I mean, it starts from the point of like, you know, does that trade help them win right away? Like it certainly extends their window, but in, in, in a fit, in terms of fit with the guys they have, um, I mean, the, the, the most obvious thing is that Kyrie Irving is not, would not be a, like an ideal fit. Um, that he's not a playmaker. 
even though like some of that has been stunted probably by playing with LeBron James, but he's not a playmaker. I he's think he's never been a playmaker. I think, I think, he's a score first. Yeah, I think guard. Kyrie. Yeah, I think Kyrie has, and the stat is going to be wrong, but it's, it was something like Kyrie has had like 20 10 plus assist games in his career. Chris Paul has had 21 this season. I know, I know one stat that was pretty fascinating was uh, uh, earlier this year when they played the Wizards, John Wall had, I want to say, his 19th double double of the year or 20th, and it was, you know, a month ago. And Kyrie Irving, I think it had eight or 10 in his entire career. Yeah. Like, if we were going to talk about, like, fake point guards to trade, the, you know, like, I think there's way more, like, why not trade Chris Paul to Washington for John Wall type of a discussion. Well, that would be, you know what I mean? Now, now, as you know, I am a I am the king of the John Wall is great club, and that that would be a fascinating trade. I don't think there's any you, way you the Wizards what? would do it, but I, if, I was the, if I was the Clippers, if I could get John Wall, I would do that in a heartbeat. You, you know what I mean? Like, like, to me, that's, like, a more interesting one, even though, I mean, like, John Wall, in a lot of ways, is, like, just kind of a more, is morphed into, like, a more, <laughs> like, he's not the shooter Chris Paul is, but he's become a better shooter, and Chris Paul was not he's always a good enough shooter. shooter. He's a good enough shooter now. I think yeah. he's shooting 35 you know, or 36% where, from three. Whereas, like, Chris Paul has, like, worked himself into that. You're right, like, that's, like, okay, that's an interesting conversation. Like, right. we can talk about how those guys fit. Where adding a score-first point guard to a team that doesn't need scoring. Um, even like during this stretch, like there people have made a big deal over the fact that Chris Paul's really taken over since Blake Griffin's been out. How many points a game do you think Chris Paul's averaged in this stretch? I'm going to guess 20. Exactly. Okay. I had no idea. That was a straight guess. I just assumed it was a little bit oh, more well, than what he was doing. Yeah. It's 20 points a game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not like, and the, because the way Chris Paul takes over games isn't always by scoring. You know, it's, 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 it's by directing, it's by, you know, it's 20, but it's also 10, it's, it's almost 11 assists a game. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the, the willingness in a playoff series to, to guard Kevin Durant for six minutes and make it difficult on him, which has happened. You know what I mean? Like the, those are, those are differences that they, they wouldn't get from Kyrie Irving. And while like certainly the notion of adding a really young player who, by the way, is, um, I mean, if you want to, like, I don't know that adding Kyrie and his injury history with, like, the Clippers, like, like overall injury karma. Probably is, not is, the is greatest nice, move. Well, no, and, not a, and, he's not a, a, and he's a saloon door. I mean, look, here's, here's, my, here's a hot take for you. I think Kyrie okay. Irving is the closest thing we've had to Allen Iverson since Allen Iverson. I think he's a six-foot-tall shooting guard that is, in my opinion, pretty lucky that LeBron James showed up on his team because I don't know I don't know how you're going to win with a 6-1 shooting guard that can't play any defense. Like I just it just it makes things really really difficult for me. Yeah. Um, well, that's know. the problem that that's, I mean that's honestly that's a problem the Clippers have faced at times in the last minute and a half of games where you know if only Chris Paul was 3 inches taller Right, you know what I mean. Things right, would be so much easier for him. Yeah, and, and that is that was almost the most incredible thing about that play with Tim Duncan was like, oh, I, yeah. I still don't know how Chris Paul managed to get the ball over Tim Duncan's arm because he's a foot shorter than him, and Tim Duncan was right in front of him. I mean, it, it yeah, it's, no, it's it's almost like he did some magic disappearing act with the ball and like put it 
around his hand somehow. It, it, that that play still mm-hmm. still amazes me. Yeah. So like so to to me like that's like kind of the non-starter part of the Kyrie Irving trade. It does though. Like again, it, it, it speaks to kind of this larger this larger argument that the Clippers need to not be the Clippers anymore. And I, where I think there's truth in that, I still the the like the part of me that like and maybe this is why I'm like, I am a bad gambler or like stuff like this. Like is like where I don't like to take like unnecessary risks. You know, like I don't want, I kind I don't want to skydive. Um, I will eat at Chipotle still, but that's, <laughs> that, like that's as risky as it good. Yes. That's as that risky is, as, as, go. That is as <laughs> risky. That's as big of a risk as I will take right well, now. Let's skip, um, let's skip ahead a second. So, cause I, I want, I want to kind of pin you, pin you down might be the wrong word, but you know, we've, we've kind of talked about all the stuff that, <laughs> yeah. We well no, but we've kind of talked about all you know like you you've you know made the case for why you don't think it makes a lot of sense to do different moves and and I I just kind of I, I think here look Tim I think there are I want to clarify there could be a move out there that does make sense right I just think that it's like it, it's it's going to be very difficult to find. well and that and that's what I wanted to ask you was I mean look I mean you've talked about you know we we've already gone over how you know cores maybe have expiration dates and we've talked about some of the issues this group has had and you know the the fact that. You know, for all the stuff that Doc Rivers, from a mental standpoint, was supposed to do with this team when he showed up, none of it's happened. I mean, it's still the same, the same group that that tends to wilt at the worst possible time. A couple. See, I would disagree with that. Let me let me stop you there. I would disagree with with a little bit of that. I do feel like it's 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 been odd. One of the really strange kind of weird things about them on a from a mental toughness standpoint is like when they face their biggest tests, they've like gotten through them i would have i would have agreed with you on this i know they got by the spurs if they had to beat the rockets last year i'd agree with you but the fact that they immediately I mean, look, turned look, around we're, and blew we're that going, series I mean, look and i know I, it was a long time ago but like the spurs weren't the biggest piece of adversity this team has felt in the last three years it was no. the golden state warriors during the donald sterling scandal when when like they weren't even sure they wanted to put on jerseys right like and i also like that and and and, and doc navigating them that he did. And, and like they they handle that and tim i think this does also speak to kind of their ability to you know when i mentioned and i i failed to mention this too i do think doc is excellent in these situations when guys go down again like situations where they get tested they do kind of find something like this the problem is is you're right like it seems like there's a limit on it well and that and it gets to like right it's like a bucket and then you know when you when you add that one little last drop to it now all of a sudden things are coming out, well, and, I guess, and, and that's sort of been their problem. Well, and I guess that's what I mean. It's like yes, they've had moments where they have managed to overcome, right? But they've also had moments where they couldn't sustain it, and so it almost Correct. it almost doesn't it almost cancels itself out. You know what I mean? Like if you can't mm-hmm. if you can't keep that same level to beat the Rockets, then what good does it do you to beat the Spurs? You know, like you, you just you're just it just you're in the same spot as it is, but that that's what I wanted to, to bring it back around to was if, if you were Doc Rivers and you were running the Clippers, like take out what you, what we think they're going to do. Cause I think we both agree it's going to be harder for them to move anybody out of this core than they may have already said publicly. But if you were running the team or if you were, whether you were Balmer or Doc or whoever, if, if, I'd rather be Balmer. <laughs> okay. Let's, we'll make you see Balmer. Uh, I, okay. that would certainly make sense. He's, he's got way more money. Um, you could buy a lot of Chipotle with two billion dollars. So yes, absolutely. Um, what what would you do if this season goes the way it looks? Do, would do you personally think 
that some kind of a shakeup is the best thing for this group going forward, or do you think the best thing is? And I, I'm not saying you got to pick a move, um, but you know, if you could make a retooling move, do you think that would be the right thing to do, or do you think that the right thing to do would be to ride it out and and kind of just keep hoping you have a 2011 Mavericks moment? Yeah, I mean, I think. Um... I mean, I certainly hear, I, I think that I am more involved in shakeup conversations than I've ever been before, um, certainly. And I think, you know, that kind of, for me, what I would need um, in these situations, if I'm going to trade Chris Paul, if I'm going to trade Blake Griffin, I would need a starting point guard, a starting small forward, and someone who could help me on my bench. Like, these are like kind of my early asks in this situation, right? Like, well, that's sure, if you, I mean, you need like, a starting point guard if you trade Chris, and you need a couple. You need you need either a either a couple forwards if you trade for Blake, right? Yeah, and the same type of package. Yeah, so like these or, are the a replacement or a replacement for who you trade a wing and and a bench guy. Yeah, like right. so. Those are the types of like you know what I mean. Like if you know, I, I'm not like if I don't know if you call. I and, and and it all depends on who's enamored with Blake too, right? Like that's like the other part of all of this too. But I I think that's like, so I'm more active. Certainly. Um, if, if I don't, I I don't feel, I would say I wouldn't feel, um, the need though to, to, to take, to take less than I'm asking. Right. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bend on those things. You would, you would explore it. I'm getting clearly better. Right. You would explore it, but you wouldn't, but you don't feel compelled to have to do it. Yeah, and that's why I think the position that they're in, which is honestly weird silver lining in all of this, that might be the the, the most options that they've had in, you know, a couple of years. Honestly. Yeah, well, I'd they agree with that. A lot of options. I'd agree with that. And and you know, what they can get for these guys is is is, is very interesting like, you know, um I the the tricky part of all of this though again goes to the fact that both of these guys have opt outs coming up. Um, both of these guys are still going to get big contracts coming. So you kind of need like, you know, this is fake, um, obviously. But like, you know, Blake Griffin to Utah for Derek Favors and Gordon Hayward. Um, you know right. what I mean? Isn't which, the which, and it also would make sense for Utah to make that. That's probably too much even for Blake, as good as Blake is. Like that's, I mean, those, are, those guys I mean? are both like really some, good. Some sort of like. You want to know my favorite yeah, like fake some, Clippers trade? I don't know if I told you this. What do you got? Chris Paul to the Heat for Goran Dragic and Justice Winslow. Now that That's interesting. now that to me is a trade that helps everybody because Goran Goran does not really fit with Dwayne Wade. Um, they they want to play at two different paces. Chris Paul is very happy to play at Dwayne Wade's walking up the court pace. Chris Paul would be happy in mm-hmm. Miami, I would think. Um, he I think he makes the Heat better immediately. Um, cause he's a better fit. And I think that you put Goron and justice on the Clippers, Goron running with Blake and Deandre, I think would be a great fit. And justice is exactly what they need. Like justice is a young three that you can throw out there with, with Redick. And all of a sudden you have Goran Dragic, JJ Redick, justice Winslow, Blake and Deandre. I mean, that is a very interesting group. And I don't think you really take much of a step back. I asked for more. I would want you ask for more than that? I don't know. What, I, I I mean, that's just my like. If I'm Steve Ballmer, 
I mean, that I mean, that's a pretty, I would, I would, that's I, a pretty damn good trade. I think. What else I mean, do you want trading, more than that? You're, you're, I would think you're getting a you get a guy who's a top ten pick in the draft, who's a dynamite defender maybe, on maybe, the wing, maybe, could maybe, become a much maybe, better maybe, offensive maybe player. Maybe like a top fifteen protected. Maybe oh, like a top fifteen man. protected first too. That's 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 at, what I would ask for. I, all right, well, I'm, I would ask for. All right, so and, I'm and Pat Riley. Like you could be Steve Ballmer. I'll be Pat Riley. Say no. The trade is Goran Dragic and Justice Winslow for Chris Paul. Yes or no? And, and you're going to hardline. You're going to hardline me on yes. that. Yes. Well, because like listen, who says no? Listen, Pat Riley would probably trade like every pick they ever have because he doesn't care about draft picks at all. But somebody with the okay. Heat would. See, but, I will. I will. I will, I will. I will use this information now, in my negotiation. Now, but somebody with the Heat would say that is silly. Justice is a a terrific young player. He's a top ten pick. He looks like he could be, you know, I mean, there are people around the league who think he could become a Kawhi Leonard-type player. I'm not going to go that far, but he's a dynamite sure. defender who has a chance to become much better on offense, great kid, hard worker, like everything you'd want, and you get a really well, good interested. point guard I'm in Goran Dragic. Like to, I would say, like, for me, the, the question is more, again, would be more about, you know, the like the Dragic, like, as... And Dragic has got a long-term deal, too. He's locked up. Fairly a pretty good number. I think it's. I want to say he signed for five for eighty. So, which is a pretty yeah, good no, number. That, that, new... look, that, like, that should look like a like a bargain. How old is Dragic? I think he's twenty nine. So he's a couple years younger than Chris. Like, I, I so think that he's one. Though if he's twenty nine, he's one year. I can I can look up exactly how old he is. But to me, like that to me is a trade that helps both teams, and both teams kind of accomplish what they want out of it. And I also don't think there's any chance that it happens. But um, now Chris Chris turns 31 in May, and Goron turns turns 30 in May. Turns 30 in May. Actually, they're exactly. I think their birthdays one day apart. I think it's May 5th and 6th. So okay, well now I'm in. Now I will do the trade. Do I get Zoran Dragic too? What? Can I get Zoran? <laughs> sure. Zoran is playing. I think for Fenerbahce. You can have the rights to Gor- to Zoran too. I'll just. I don't even. I don't even control them. And I will, uh, yeah, I will give them to you. So, but right. So I guess I, that now I want to ask you about the TV thing quick before we go. But, um, but just to, sure. to wrap up, that is that is a significantly different position than in the past that you've taken. Because in the past, whenever we've talked, you've said, "Look, you got it. This team is really good. They they've you know, there's no reason to blow this up. Just keep adding and see see if you can break through." But but things have developed, and and you've seen this enough. To the point where you're at least willing to consider things, which no, I, I think is a significant and look, and I, difference, and I would have right? And, and I would have listened before. Obviously, I mean, look, you always listen. I think you're a little, you're just a little more active listening now. It, it sort of would be my feeling. It's you're operating at this point from a position of strength because really um, there there's little shame, especially for this organization. There should be little shame in being a continual threat to make the Western Conference semifinals, staying that course. And and waiting for something to go right for you. Totally, I, like I that, that's totally. a strategy too. Totally, yeah. The, like I said, the 2011 Mavs strategy, right? They kept plugging away and plugging Absolutely. away and plugging away, and then things worked out. And listen, I, I know everybody focuses on 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 if you can win a championship, and and I, I mean, you know this. We've talked about it a lot. I I'm in that camp too. But at the same time, there is something to be said for being a really damn good team for a long time. And if, if you're a team that is a 55 win team for seven or eight years and you've got you know a couple guys like chris paul's i you know i assume is going to be a hall of famer blake griffin could be a hall of famer like you could have a couple hall of fame players and you got deandre jordan who's fun and 
you've got a fun team and you're really good and you you kind of you change the perception of your franchise i i think i think that isn't that's certainly not a bad outcome if this era of clippers basketball is remembered for that i don't think i don't think the clippers are in the same position the thunder will be if say whether kevin durant stays another year or stays for 10 years or like whatever happens like if that group doesn't win a championship I think people are going to look at that group and go, well, "What the hell happened? Like, how did that team which, which, not which win?" Which franchise would you which which franchise would you rather be eight years from now, the Clippers or the Thunder? Well, obviously, you have to rather be the Clippers because you're in Los Angeles, and if you're run moderately well, you're always going to have a much better chance of of retooling. You know, the Thunder. I mean, yeah. If you told, if you could guarantee me that those three guys in Oklahoma City stay there, I'd probably take my chances with them, but. It's it's just impossible to know and and look the Clippers you know I was saying this to somebody the other day I don't even remember who I feel like the Clippers have a better chance in the long term of reloading than the Lakers do right now because the Lakers for a few years have done a lot of weird things and it, it's hard to <laughs> trust them but the the Clippers at least with the way they've played and they've got Doc there and they've they've invested in the franchise in a lot of different ways they've got Steve Ballmer. I I I feel confident, or at least more confident, in their ability to to spin things forward. Which you know, given their history, is kind of a, a crazy thing to say. And I think it's a credit to them. Now, I I do want to, with that in mind, I do want to transition this TV thing for yeah. a few minutes because I do think it's kind of fascinating. So, um, for people who aren't in the LA market and don't quite know the circumstances behind this, can you can you explain what's going on with this TV deal and the radio deal? Because I think it's pretty fascinating. Okay, so let's start with the radio deal. Is so the Clippers had a a, um, a deal with a with a talk radio station that transitioned to all sports um, like a year and a half ago or something like that, and that station has been sold and will become a foreign language like pay for play like like block programming station. All right, I would love so for the, the Clippers, Clippers to stay on that on that radio station because that would be fantastic. Yeah, so there's there's like there's like so zero lead in like the Clippers can stay on that radio station through the end of the year. That's like a last resort thing, you know. What I mean, like that's in their contract. Oh, so I didn't even know However, about the radio deal. They're trying to move the radio deal now, like mid-season. They have to. Okay, yes. interesting. So is this? Has that change already? Has that change already happened, Dan? Uh, the no, I think it's middle February. Okay, when that station. So they got. They basically got till so, the All Star break to figure this out. Yeah. So weird. Okay. Like that's a weird situation that they, they have to deal with, and they'll, they'll have to experiment with some other. I mean, look, they can always keep it on that station and their fans will find it, but like casual fans aren't going to find it. Like, you know what I mean? Type of a thing. There's no reason to be there before. Um, unless you're interested in the, the pay for play, whatever product, the, <laughs> right. the, the, the radio infomercial that, that airs in your preferred form like right. before that. Right. Um, the TV deal is way more interesting because, I mean, they have a landing spot. It's there. You know what I mean? It may not be the money they want or the deal they want exactly, which is they could stay. They're on They're on a Fox Sports affiliate locally. It's, Fox does not have any other NBA team here. They have two channels because of um, the hockey product. You need to have you know multiple channels. Clippers can stay there. Where it gets interesting, where it gets really interesting, is that there is still this like idea that cord cutting is like a possibility. And, they, and, they, and that's they, been the rumor, that they want to just have their own streaming service for their games, right? That, yeah, that they could do this. And, again, 
you have to wonder how much of all of this stuff, the negative publicity they're getting now, the way that they're turning, if they turn off fans for the season, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's why this is a really important season if they decide to go down that road. Right. Um, would, would they go to that kind of market? Do they know how much to charge for that kind of market? Um, for that now, do kind you, of thing? do would you know, be, do you know what their previous deal was, Dan, with Fox or what their current deal is, I guess? Not, I mean, it's a bad deal. I'll tell you that. Like, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's pre Blake Griffin money. Right. Oh, okay. Right. Right. So, I mean, have there been any numbers? Have there been any numbers floated about what what they might potentially charge or what they what they'd have to charge to get to a right number? There was something a while ago. Um, I have not like super prepared to like on this stuff right now. Right. Um, because, yeah, you've had other things like, going. Yeah. On. It, it's to me that's like kind of. Um, it, I, look, I mean, they're at a point, I, I think, in the negotiation where they ask for something and Fox is like, yeah, that's too much. Right. I mean, that that seems to be like kind of where they've been at and, and they're negotiating here. The, the Well, they're also it, owned it, by a guy that was involved with Microsoft, and, and too. So if any team is going to try have, streaming service, you would think it'd be a team that's owned by a tech billionaire. Yeah. And um, look, I think at a certain point in time, I think all teams will have this. I mean, it's certainly, I would say that that's, I don't want to sound too like back to the future too. everybody one day will be in flying cars with hoverboards type of a futuristic prediction. But this seems to be, is this seems to me to be like as cable services become more and more unbundled as a way to stay afloat, you know, in cord cutting, like this seems to be something that could happen. Like sure. the way that people pay $10 a month for HBO I don't know how much do you pay a month for your Clippers or for for your Knicks or or just buy you know, league pass. I mean, how many people? How many people do you know that just have league no, pass broadband? It's a couple hundred bucks a year. But league pass is blacked out in your market. Though. Ah, that's true. Right, that's true. That's true. So you know what I mean? You can buy league pass, but like you can't buy league pass to watch the Clippers in Los Angeles. Right, that's, that's true. You can't do that. That's so, true. So you know you would have to. I would assume buy some other streaming service. Um, I. You know, is it two hundred dollars a season for that? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's why I, I think I, it's I, fascinating. I and, and like the interesting thing about this, Tim, though, is then you know, and I had a conversation the other day with with someone uh, with an executive over there about kind of how you would like. It can't just be the games, right? That's not enough, right? Like you have to like bulk up your product somehow to make it. You know, and and their library isn't the greatest library, though. They have like some kind of fun moments, and they could do some fun things with. But nobody you know, gives like a crap about that, that stuff either. You've got to be giving people original stuff that they're not going to get. Well, I otherwise. think a library, like like here, like weirdly enough, I think, and I've had this discussion with you. I think like the model for a lot of sports teams on this stuff is what the, the world wrestling entertainment has done, which is they've gone the WWE ten bucks a month. Yeah, they've got yes. $10 a month. Okay, I want to hear this. Streaming. $10 a month for their own for their, streaming service. Yeah, and, and one of the big, and like, so if you wanted to watch WrestleMania in a couple of months, it you, you're a subscriber to their network. You do not pay for it on pay-per-view. Interesting. It is. And the, one, of the big, one of the big draws to this is that they have a gigantic library of things that you can watch. So they can just like, throw out Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan and, and that kind of you thing. You can absolutely watch that anytime you want. Right. It's, it's like on your, at your fingertips. And, and I do think with like, like, you know, NBA TV, like classic games, like that's the thing that I watch. I know that, that, that is something that, that there is some value in it. The problem with the Clippers is they don't have a ton of that, but what they do have the opportunity to do because of the tech side is they could really appeal to a lot of people 
who aren't necessarily Clipper fans, but who are basketball fans by offering things like, you know, one of the things I heard, an idea I've heard kicked around is like an offering an analytics based broadcast. Like where like you have a special analytics team announcing the game. Wow. That would be fascinating. And and with, with live statistics and, and, and all sorts of stuff like that. And and they've got partnerships with, with people that they could do this with. Sure. Um, you know, could you do have another one is you have, you know, you've got like, like what, uh, Turner is, is kind of toy or used a little bit here with like, you have like your Homer broadcast. Yes. If that's something yes. you want. Like, you know yes. what I mean? You have alternate, you can, you can offer ultimate customizable broadcasts. You can do things like, I mean, I mean, you could do film sessions with, you know, former coaches or former players. You could do all sorts of stuff with your current product. You could do some sort of hard knocks type series, um, all sorts of interesting things. You know what I mean? The question is, is a, is there enough of it? And it will, will be, are you going to alienate too many of your fans by doing it? And I don't know. I, I still feel like it's a little early, just anecdotally from like talking to people about their experiences with cord cutting. It feels like the people who aren't cord cutting are sports fans. Yeah. Yeah, it it feels like the internet isn't reliable enough yet, which sounds weird, but it's not it's not fast enough and reliable enough for live streaming of games when you need it most. Yeah, I don't think so. I disagree. I disagree with that. Um, as someone who live streams leak fast at my house, like, well, I no, I no no no. I, I shouldn't say that. I should. I I guess what I mean is, I think for the average person, they're not comfortable enough. Comfortable to, enough to to yeah. to to. to Sure. throw their whole lot in i shouldn't say that it isn't reliable enough i guess to like i mean you and i are kind of in the world of you know we're on the internet all the time and and we're used to broadband and like uh we know yeah. it, what's capable of it for like my uncle would your, who's would your a, parents right yeah, yeah, or right your uncle, exactly your uncle decide yeah that he's I, I, he's not doing look, that I don't he's going to watch it on cable and that and that's the, that's the gap the generation time, gap i think i mean at a certain point in time though right like people are going to look at their cable bill and I mean, look, I'm close to being at this point with my cable bill where you look at it and saying, why am I spending $200 a month here? Right. What am I spending it on? And how can I not spend that much money on this? Yep. Well, you made a great point with HBO Go or HBO Now, whatever the one is, it's 10 or 15 bucks a month. Yeah. Watch ESPN's the same thing. They've got their own 10 or 15 bucks a month thing. Well, you can pay for Watch ESPN. Oh, you can? I thought you could. You can. I think you have. Yeah, you might be right. You have to have, I think, a cable subscription for for watching. That yeah, I but, think you're like, right. But I, HBO, I mean, but HBO Now is a great example. I mean, they 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 were kind of like, the, uh, the ones out I on front on that. What if Watch ESPN was fifteen dollars a month? Like I could like because people don't realize when you pay your cable bill, like you're paying for you know the Food Network, you're paying for Lifetime, you're paying for Fox News, you're paying for all these channels, whether you watch them or not. Yep. And yep. I, And I think that an unbundling at some point like is people are going to have enough. I mean, the fact that the fact of the matter is right now, you can go to Hulu and get almost everything you want for like $12 a month. Yeah. I think it's, it's 11. I think it's 11 bucks a month for no commercials. And it's, I think seven bucks a month with commercials with some commercials. Yeah, like, so that's like at a certain point, right? Like, I mean, a pro sports team is going to take the lead. I think the Clippers have an interesting chance to do it. And I do think that there's also an option that maybe you do both right away. That you you kind of have a supplementary you, streaming your, service. You mean in your negotiations? Yeah, you you have some sort of hybrid model that helps you transition four years from now when you're ready to really take the leap. It it's a fascinating 
from a from a content delivery standpoint, um, it's very interesting. Well, and there's your next there's your next off court Clipper drama to write about the whatever the heck they're going to do with their with their television deal as the uh, as the Clip, nonsense continues Clip, with the Clippers. Clipflix, or whatever they're going to call it. <laughs> they should just have you on. They should just do have you on for like 6 hours to just talk about or 60 hours maybe to just talk about all the in, the insane things that have happened over the past few years um and just turn it into a documentary and just, and just watch me watch me spiral into just a, a deep dark insanity. <laughs> Dan Wojcicki speaks about all the all, all the summer all the summer days that I didn't leave a courtroom and couldn't go outside. That's right. All that fun part. Dan, Dan yeah, Wojcicki speaks on the Clippers. Program. Dan Wojcicki speaks on the Clippers. That, that I think that's a hit. Ugh. I think it's a hit show. Sounds uh, like an Emmy. <laughs> probably my way. Um, all right. Well, Dan, this has been great. I, you, you've got, you've been way too busy this week, so I'm sorry I kept you this long, but um, where, no, uh, man, it's always fun. where, where can people find you on Twitter and, and please plug some, some of your, uh, your excellent work at the register. Yeah, I mean, at Dan Wecky Sports, um, there's a story on the top of my Twitter profile that I wrote about Dr. Rivers and his mom. Um, Please read it. It's excellent. I think, I think it's one of the best things I've ever written. Uh, and then I wrote, you know, I wrote some stuff kind of about the Clippers and their chaos and the immediate aftermath of this and how this, you know, how are they going to stop this cycle? And we got a lot more stuff coming up. You know, they're going to be home over the next week. And uh, I think we might get some more answers here on, on some things. There's still a lot of questions. And uh, they, they, I know for a fact that they will keep me um, keep me busy. Here. Yes, they they definitely will. Um, yeah, definitely read the the Doc Rivers piece. It's it's fantastic. It's a it's a great look into into Doc the person who we don't maybe necessarily know as much about as we think. And uh, Dan stuff this week on the whole Blake Griffin thing has been terrific. It's been a a roller coaster ride as always with the Clippers and Dan as always is on top of it. So um, check that stuff I'm always out. Always sitting in the front row. That's right. That's right. Um, front row, hands up. <laughs> just mouth open, just just yelling. Um, just except instead of being happy, cursing usually. Um, you can find my work at the Washington Post. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. Please uh, subscribe to the Posting Up podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, wherever else you can get your podcasts. Uh, if you give us a five star review on iTunes, that'd be great. Um, Dan, thanks again for the time and to everyone listening. Thank you for stopping by on a Friday and have a great weekend.